I'll uh, speak on behalf of Jeff here and say that we do uh, truly feel appreciated uh, by this congregation. Uh, your love has overflown in both of our lives and in our families' lives, and we, we do truly appreciate you guys as well. Um, we are uh, in this uh, new sermon series this morning, if we could shift uh, gears, uh, to come to the table. And as I did last week, I want to point your attention to our table over here, where we have all kinds of uh, uh, items on the table. Uh, I forgot to light the candle this morning, but we do have a chair, which we're going to talk about this morning. We have the table itself. Uh, we have the cup. We have the bread. Uh, we do also, as I shared last week, have my favorite part and Malachi's favorite part, uh, the fork for dessert. And uh, we're going to be talking about each of the different elements uh, of the table as we discuss this sermon series, Come to the Table. Uh, today we're going to talk about uh, the chair in which we sit. Uh, so let's look at uh, Paul's uh, letter to the Corinthians, uh, starting in chapter 11 and uh, verse 17. Uh, kind of a harsh uh, conversation to have, uh, but one that I think will benefit us as we uh, consider the chair this morning. Uh, Paul writes, he says in the following directives, I have no praise for you, for your meetings do more harm than good. In the first place, I hear that, that when you come together as a church, there's divisions among you. And to, to some extent, I believe it. No doubt there has to be differences to show which of you are God's approval. When you come together, it's not the Lord's Supper you eat. For as you eat, each of you go ahead without the other, <clears throat> without waiting for anybody else. One remains hungry, another gets drunk. Uh, don't you have homes to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you for this? Certainly not. Uh, we're going to skip over to verse 27 because we're going to look a little bit deeper in verse 23 and following uh, a little bit later in the sermon series. Uh, but looking at 27 here. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. A man ought to examine himself before he eats the bread and drinks of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father God, I am uh, grateful to be here. I'm grateful to be uh, surrounded by such a cloud of witnesses as we uh, come together and study your word, we pray that you'll just open up our hearts and our minds, and that, Lord, you will guide us by the power of your Holy Spirit. And, uh, Lord, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Boy, we really do need to take a look at these first few verses uh, of the passage that we read this morning, because Paul really, he hits the ground really running here. And he is being uh, very uh, direct. He's being very blunt with the Corinthian church. He says, I have no praise for you. He actually makes the statement that your meetings, when you gather together in your meetings, they do more harm than good. What kind of horrible things must they be doing to get this kind of rebuke from Paul? 
Well, we believe, as we study uh, the Corinthian church and as we pull out a, a little bit of the history of the church during that time, that the Corinthian church, uh, during their communion time, they were having some sort of a, a potluck. And the rich were able to bring food and wine, but it seems like the poor were unable to do so. And they must have adopted some weird policy and, and put it in place where the rich could eat and then the poor could not, which, which just had to be absolutely humiliating for the poor and their church. I couldn't think of anything further than the gospel. I couldn't think of anything further than what Jesus lived and acted and taught. I mean, just take a moment with me as we look at a few, uh, few passages from the Gospels where we learn about Jesus loving the poor. You remember the parable of the sheep and the goats. And this teaching, Jesus is encouraging his disciples to feed, clothe, give shelter to those who have that need. When John the Baptist wanted confirmation that Jesus was the Messiah, his words back to John the Baptist was this, the good news is preached to the poor. In Luke's version of the Beatitude, Jesus says, blessed are the poor. And we can't forget the parable of the great banquet when Jesus taught that the kingdom of heaven is designed with the poor in mind. Paul went along with this teaching of Jesus. Remember his words in Galatians chapter 2. He said that James, Peter, and John agreed that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. In verse 10, he says all that James, John, and Peter uh, told them and asked them was that they should continue to remember the poor. And Paul adds, the very thing I was eager to do. Therefore, it should come to no surprise to us that Paul built upon the foundations of the teaching of Jesus Christ and the life of Jesus Christ would rebuke the Corinthian church for neglecting the poor. As they came together as a common meal, they should share, and everyone should eat and celebrate together in unity. And so he rebukes the Corinthian church. Can you imagine receiving that rebuke? You only have two options, right? You either hear Paul's word and say, eh, yeah, but they didn't really bring any food, so... Or you hear Paul's word and you're cut to the heart and you say, I'm going to make a change. However, I think there's more than just a change of behavior that needs to happen. Share my food, the rich may say. I can do that. But is it that easy? These rich Corinthians looked hungry and poor people in the eyes. And they said, no, all our seats are full. 
they'd already made judgments about who is welcomed at the table. There was a man who was out on a walk one day, saw another man about to throw himself off a bridge into the river. So he ran over and said, why, why are you killing yourself? And the guy said, I have nothing to live for. And so he responded, well, well, don't you believe in God? He said, well, yes, I do. And so the man responded, well, what a coincidence. So do I. Are you a Jew or a Christian? And the re man responded, well, I'm a Christian. So the other guy said, well, what a coincidence. Uh, so am I. Are you Protestant or Baptist? And he responded, well, I'm, I'm, a Protest I'm a Baptist. The guy said, well, what a coincidence. So am I. Are you independent? Are you Southern Baptist? And the guy responded, I'm an independent Baptist. And he said, what a coincidence. So am I. Are you premillennial or amillennial? And the guy said, well, I'm premillennial. He said, what a coincidence. So am I. He said, are you pre-tribulation rapture or post-tribulation rapture? And the guy said, I'm, I'm post-tribulation rapture. And so the other guy pushed him in the river and said, die, heretic. Who's welcome at the table? Well, my question for you this morning is, would you welcome someone at the table that you disagree with? And the truth is, many of us can on the surface say yes, but when you dig a little bit deeper when it comes to beliefs, maybe, maybe not everybody you would want to welcome to the table. Matthew West writes in his song, Truth Be Told, that there's a sign on the door, come as you are, but I doubt it. Because if we lived like it was true, every Sunday morning pew would be crowded. But didn't you say the church should look more like a hospital, a safe place for the sick, the sinner, and the scarred, and the prodigals like me? You know, I'm looking around this morning, I see a lot of empty chairs. We've got plenty of seats this morning at the table. In Matthew chapter 22, Jesus talks about a great banquet in which he had plenty of seats. He said the kingdom of heaven is like a king. He, he prepared a wedding banquet for his son. And so he sent his servants out to everyone who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come on. But they refused. And so he sent more servants out. He said, I, I've prepared the dinner. My oxen and my fattened calves, they, they've been butchered. And everything's ready. Come to the banquet. But they paid no attention. One went to his field. Another went to his business. And others... Well, they actually seized the servants and mistreated and killed them. And the king was enraged. He sent his army and he destroyed those murderers and he burned their city. And then he went to his servants and said, go out because the wedding banquet is ready. But those I invited, they didn't deserve to come. So go out into the streets and, and invite to the banquet anyone you find. So the servants went out 
and they gathered all the people that they could find. They gathered the bad as well as the good, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man who was not wearing wedding clothes. And he said, how'd you get in here without wedding clothes, my friend? The man was speechless. And so the king told the attendants, tie him up hand and foot and throw him outside, where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, good night. Why did I tell you that story? I'm already standing up here regretting it. It seems so contradictory, right? But with many of Jesus' teachings, there's several layers to this parable. On the very top layer is the parable about Israel, right? The Jews are the ones who are invited to the kingdom of God here on earth. The, uh, the son, of course, is Jesus Christ, and he's come to the earth, and they've been invited, but they weren't very interested in joining. And we know that they killed Jesus. And we know the rest of the story. The king did send an army, and in A.D. 70, Jerusalem was burned to the ground. Now, when they go out to the streets and they start gathering people together to join this banquet, those who were joined together, you and me, were the Gentiles, were the ones that weren't originally invited, quote-unquote. Now, an ancient custom for wedding feasts, the king would provide wedding attire to all of his guests. And so all the folks had to do when they came to the party was to wear the attire that the king provided. And this is where we really get to see who deserves to sit in this seat. Because here we see maybe some of Paul's teaching in Romans. You remember what he said? He said to clothe yourself with Christ. And maybe that helps us understand that when we come to the feast, there's a commitment, there's a transformation that only happens through Jesus Christ. So he goes out and he invites everyone. And he even offers the attire to wear. Just come, put on Christ, and have a seat and enjoy the feast. Everybody's invited to be part of the kingdom of God. Do you see how Jesus' teaching in Matthew is connected to Paul's rebuke to the Corinthian church? I think in order to put those pieces a little bit better together, let's look deeper at 1 Corinthians 11.29. I will be uh, reading from the ESV here. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. It's discerning the body that I really want you to look at. See, I don't know what happened throughout the years, uh, maybe I can get Aaron to come up and give us a little bit of the history of the church and how communion became a very individualistic time. It's not time to reflect on yourself because yourself has already been cared for. The design of communion 
is for the people of the church to reflect on the community, to discern the body. And that was what Paul was really concerned with. It wasn't the individuals. It was that the body came together, the community came together, and they were unable to discern that poor people were unable to join together in this holy meal. Their community was behaving poorly. They were not dressed with the right attire. And there's irony there because it was the rich who were making those choices. Are we living and behaving? Are you and I living and behaving like a church that believes that Jesus is king? The Corinthian church, not so much. If they really believed that God was king, and as they looked around on God's kingdom, they would recognize that the treatment of the poor brothers and sisters was not fair, and it was not right. How could they meet together on Sunday morning and get it right? How could they mess up such a simple task? And then how did the rest of their week look? So, I threw a lot at you this morning. Boom, 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 right? And we got we to gotta bring it all together here, and let's talk about application. Let's talk about how this communion time and this chair has to do with you as we consider Paul's words to the Corinthian church. Number one, you can write this down if you want. The table, the chair, is open for everyone. When we gather for the common meal, as we gather together to participate with Jesus, that chair is open for anyone. And that chair is is for you. If you've never felt invited to the table, I'm giving you a personal invitation this morning. Join us in this journey to put on Christ. Secondly, many of you don't think you have the right attire on. Many of you have uh, looked at this passage and have condemned yourself without realizing that there is no condemnation in Jesus Christ. He's given you the clothes. When you were baptized, you put that on. You clothe yourself with Christ. You have been made new. You have been given a new identity. And you have been given a place here. Take in celebration because of the newness found in Jesus Christ. And then the third application. Let's not become like the Corinthian church. Look around in your life, not just here in this community, but look around in your life. Is there anyone that you believe that does not deserve to be at the table? Look around at your neighbors. Look around at your co-workers. Look around at your classmates. Look around at your family. And let Paul rebuke and convict you this morning because there are people in your lives who don't act like you, who don't dress like you, who don't vote like you. Come on. 
and who don't even behave like you, but they are welcome at this table. Do you believe that? And if you believe that truly, then we need to get some more folks to join this table. And some of those folks, they're not going to dress like you. And some of those folks, they're not going to have the money you've got. And some of those folks are driving the Trump train and the other ones aren't. Come on. But we're all invited to the table, church. And if we don't unify ourselves under that one piece, the Lordship of Christ Jesus, that he is king and that he rules this world, what are we going to get behind? I'm going to ask this morning to Jeff, for Jeff to bring us home. Uh, because he and I came across this uh, Matthew West song, and we were struck to the heart. And I want him to share that song with you this morning as an illustration of how this table is open to everyone. This chair is open for everyone. So this song... us at the heart, um, but I do want to share that it struck us at different times, um, so I started uh, funking around with this about a week ago, and then I came in, and I was sharing some of it with Jeremy, and he said, that's what my sermon's about, so that's what we're going with, um, but this song is called Truth Be Told. Lie number one, you're supposed to have it all together. And when they ask how you're doing, just smile and tell them never better. Lie number two, everybody's life is perfect except yours. So keep your messes and your wounds and your secrets safe with you behind closed doors. Truth be told, the truth is rarely told. I say I'm fine, no, oh, I'm fine, yeah, I'm fine, hey, I'm fine, but I'm not. I'm broken, and when it's out of control, I say it's under control, but it's not. And you know it, I don't know why it's so hard to admit it. When being honest is the only way to fix it There's no failure, no fall, there's no sin you don't already know So let the truth be told There's a sign on the door, says come as you are, but I doubt it Cause if we live like that was true Every Sunday morning pew would be crowded. But didn't you say church should look more like a hospital? A safe place for the sick, the sinner and the scars and the prodigals like me. Truth be told, the truth is rarely.
barely told Am I the only one who says I'm fine? Yeah, I'm fine. Oh, I'm fine. Hey, I'm fine. But I'm not. I'm broken. And when it's out of control, I say it's under control. But it's not. And you know it. <laughs> Don't know why it's so hard to admit it. When being honest is the only way to fix it. There's no failure, no fall, there's no sin you don't already know. So let the truth be told. Can I really stand here unashamed, knowing that your love for me won't change? Oh God, if that's really true, then let the truth be told. I say I'm fine, oh I'm fine, hey I'm fine, oh I'm fine, but I'm not. I'm broken, and when it's out of control, I say it's under control, but it's not. And you know it, I don't know why it's so hard to admit it, when being honest is the only way to fix it. There's no failure, no fall, there's no sin you don't already know. I know there's no failure, no fall, there's no sin you don't already know. So let the truth be told. <laughs> <laughs>